This is the Seven Hills Church Podcast, where you'll hear incredible teaching from our very own Pastor Marcus Meekham. If you enjoy what you hear, you can subscribe anywhere you get your podcast to get brand new episodes waiting for you every week. You can also download our free smartphone app to see even more exclusive content and to get connected with the life of Seven Hills. Let's get right to the message, and thanks again for being with us. Let's look at verse 16. Let's look at verse 16 and we'll read a few verses and then we'll just talk about it. All right. Verse 16. Now then stand still and see the great thing the Lord is about to do before your eyes. Is it not wheat harvest season now? And I will call on the Lord to send thunder and send rain. Everybody say thunder. I'm going to call on the Lord to send thunder and rain because this evil thing that you've done in the eyes of the Lord when you ask for a king. And Samuel called on the Lord, and that same day the Lord sent thunder and he sent rain. One more time, say thunder. So all the people stood in awe of the Lord and of Samuel. And the people said to Samuel, Pray that the Lord your God, to the Lord your God for your serve for us, that we will not die. For we've added asking for a king to all the other sins we've committed. And he said, Don't be afraid. You've done this evil. You have. You've committed this evil. You've made this mistake. You've messed up. You've done some dumb things. I'm adding to the story to give it some color. Y'all with me? You're like, where's that at? Where's that? I don't see that. It says, yet do not turn away from the Lord, but serve the Lord with your whole heart. Don't turn away to useless idols. Idols. They can do you no good, nor can they rescue, nor um, can they do anything for you. They're useless for The sake of his great name, the Lord will not reject his people. Say amen. That's a good place for an amen. The Lord was pleased to make you his own. As for me, I will not sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. And what I will do, Samuel said, is I will teach you the way that is good and the way that is right. So serve him. Be sure to serve him faithfully. And to fear the Lord with all your heart, consider what great things he has done for you. Yet if you persist in doing evil, both you and your king will perish. Very interesting story. And I want to use it to suggest to you that this is a wonderful story of the grace of God. Specifically, what I want to call the thundering grace of God. Now, the background of this story, Israel had up to this point had no earthly king that would lead them and rule them. God had been their king, not in a spiritual way, not that he was on the throne of their heart, not that he's on the throne of the universe, but in a literal way, there was no earthly king. God was the king of the nation of Israel up until this point. He worked through leaders. He worked through prophets and priests. In this story, he's primarily working through the prophet Samuel. But Israel begins to look at other nations, ungodly nations primarily, and they would see that they have an earthly king, a man that would sit on a throne and he would make calls and whatever that king would say, the nation would do. And wherever that king would would want to take that nation, that's where that nation would go. And they begin to look to those nations and say, we want that kind of a king. We want an earthly king. We want a man that would sit on the throne, somebody that the buck stops with them, somebody we can blame for everything basically is what they're saying. And God says, I'm, I'm your king and, and refuses to give it to him up until a point. But finally he relents and he says, fine, you want 
a man that's going to sit on the throne. I'll give him to you. And so they go find Saul. Saul becomes the first earthly king for the nation of Israel. He's anointed to be king. But Samuel, in doing all of this, is devastated. He thinks that it's his fault. He thinks that he's failed God, that he's failed the nation of Israel, that he's failed the people. And God comes to Samuel and says, listen, Samuel, it's not you that's failed. Um, the people have not rejected you. The people have rejected me. They don't want me to be their king. They want an earthly king and they're going to get what they want. But Samuel's so devastated. He's so disappointed that he says, I'm old. I'm tired. My hair's turned gray. I'm all wrinkly now. I'm just going to hand in my letter of resignation. I'm going to retire. My 401k is looking good. feel like now's a good time. I'm out. I'm done. I'm finished. Y'all can have my sons to lead you and direct you. My time is over. And his last words in retirement were really this story that we're about to look at. This story about how this nation has rejected God. And so as a result, they need to prepare for what that rejection is created, that they need to prepare for a storm that's coming. This storm, this story says is so severe that the people believed that they were going to die. The fear was so great in the hearts of the people. They begged Samuel. They said, don't retire. Whatever you do, don't resign. We, we need you now more than ever to pray that this storm will not kill us. So Samuel begins in his last moments of retirement to mentor them on the purpose of this storm. Now, there are people that we know that live in constant personal storms. Their life is constantly surrounded with severe conditions, and they love to blame the devil for it. Now, I do believe that hell attacks believers' lives. We know in the story of Job that we have to be careful when we look at someone going through a storm to say that sin caused that storm, that that's what Job's friends did. And, and that was not the case in Job's life. And there are Christians, people that are in this room that I've watched that are godly people. They're saints in every possible way. They love Jesus. Like I only hope one day to love Jesus. And they are going through storms, storms that are sent by the enemy many times. And so I'm not talking to that group of people. I'm talking to the group of people that has created their own storm. That's who Samuel is talking to. And he is saying to them, hey, listen, life might have to send you a lightning bolt. Life might have to strike you like a lightning bolt. So you'll let go of some things or be loosed from some things in your life. Now, we know lightning is a symbol in the Bible of the judgment of God. Satan fell from heaven like lightning and how lightning is created is water molecules. You know, they gather in, in the clouds and they begin to bounce around and run into each other. And when they run into each other, it creates electricity. Sort of like when your feet are on the carpet and you, you create the little shock when you touch people. And so those electric or those water molecules create an electricity that electricity begins to grow. Eventually it escapes from the clouds. And that's when we see lightning. Now, lightning is about 50,000 degrees Fahrenheit or five times hotter than the surface of the sun. So when it escapes a cloud and it hits the air, it's so hot that the air expands so quickly that in thin air, you have 
the air freaks out because of the temperature creates a sound. And that sound is what we call thunder. And that explosion, that sound is the air that is so hot because of the heat of that lightning bolt. That's about a million volts when it hits the earth. Now, just to give you an idea of what lightning is like, I've got this quick video that was all over the news this week. Maybe you saw it. This girl's from Louisiana and she was right by an area where lightning struck. So let's check this out. Slow motion for you. Someone say that was too close. Now there's another guy that I read about. His name's Roy Sullivan. They call him the human lightning rod. He's in the Guinness book of world records because he was struck seven times by lightning. One time again, this is a million volts of electricity that hits him. He lost a big toenail. He lost eyebrows. His hair was set on fire. He, his left shoe had a hole blown in it. Another time his shoes were knocked off of his feet. He would carry a bucket of water around with him everywhere. He went a, a container of water because he was so afraid of being struck by lightning. He needed that water there so he could put the fire out after the lightning struck him. And one time he actually used the bucket of water. Had he not had the bucket of water, he would have had way more severe burns after he got struck by lightning. People would watch Roy anywhere that he would went. And if he went somewhere, people would go the other way. If Roy was walking down the street, you went to the other side of the street. If he walked in the restaurant, you left the restaurant. You didn't hang out where Roy Sullivan was. One time he was driving his truck down the road and his window was open and lightning struck and it deflected, came through the window of his truck, hit him in the head, knocked him unconscious, caught his hair on fire. His truck continued uncontrollably and stopped right before it drove off of a cliff. Another time he was fishing and he got struck by lightning. And when he came to, he was watching a bear because a trout grabbed a hold of the bait while he was knocked unconscious. And when he came to, the bear was trying to steal his trout. And so he got up, grabbed a stick, beat the bear away and reeled in the trout and took it home. <laughs> Survived seven lightning strikes. Think about it. In the end, the, the book that I was reading said that he died by his own hand because he was rejected by a woman. Now this is a terrible joke. I disagree with it completely, but the article I read said what lightning strikes, what seven lightning strikes could not do. One woman ended up doing Again, I put thumbs down on that too. I didn't like it at all. But at men's conference, I'll talk to you about how women are more dangerous than lightning. Just look right ahead. Look right ahead. 
So the prophet Samuel said, listen, you don't have to be struck by lightning. You don't have to experience the judgment of God. Thunder has a purpose. This storm has a purpose. You weren't destined to be a human lightning rod. What thunder is doing is it's warning you that you're within striking distance of the storm. And in this story, Samuel says nothing about lightning. He says what God's going to do is he's going to send thunder and he's going to send rain. Now we would know where there's thunder, there is lightning. But this story, it just says God's sending thunder and he's sending rain. And the thunder has a purpose. The storm has a purpose and it's to warn you. There's a sound coming from that storm that's trying to warn you. And I feel like when I read it, the Lord said, I want you to preach on thundering grace because what Samuel says is the storm is your fault. Israel, your sin brought this storm into your life. Your sin caused the storm. And when you reject God, he's saying there are consequences to that. And so what I want you to do, Israel is I'm not going to pray that the storm will stop. I want you to feel the thunder. I want you to hear the thunder. I want you to take it all in because that's God's grace for you. The thunder is a warning to you that you're within striking distance. You see, the thunder was not sent to bring them to an end. It was sent to give them a brand new beginning. The thunder was a call. The thunder was an announcement. The thunder was a divine request to them to turn towards God, to serve them with all to serve him with all of their heart. And Samuel says, I'm going to pray for you. Not that the thunder would stop, but that the thunder would produce something on the inside of you. You see what he's teaching them is he's teaching them that when they didn't think about it, when they weren't aware of it, they were making choices. They were making decisions. Ah, oh, we want an earthly king. We don't want God to be our king. We, we want to be like ungodly nations. We don't want to have the standards that God's given us. We don't like that Moses stuff. We don't like those commandments. We don't, we don't, li we don't like that. We, we want to just do whatever we want to do like these other nations. That's what we want to do. And when they were making those calls, they were putting something in the atmosphere. They were putting things in the atmosphere of their life. And those things were collecting. Those decisions were collecting. They were, they were pulling together. The, they were sending those vapors of their choices up into the atmosphere of their life. And eventually it created a climate because atmospheres sustain, create climates. And now this climate is attracting a storm into their life. And what the prophet is saying is he's saying, Hey, listen, you got to be aware that you and I create atmospheres. Our choices create atmospheres. And if we just keep making the wrong choices, those atmospheres in a sustained way will create a climate. Many times an unlivable, unbearable, can't even survive it kind of, of climate. And it will attract unnecessary storms into our life. Now, I don't know if you've ever watched the show Naked and Afraid. If you have, don't admit it. I've never watched it, but I've walked into the room when Sarah is watching it. And so asking her a little bit about it, 
she helped me understand that what they do on this show is they pick climates around the planet that are so treacherous. They've been deemed unlivable and they'll take two people. They strip them of their clothes, give them a few tools. You can't see any of this on the show. It's all blurred out, but they, they stick them in this unlivable environment for 21 days. And if they survive 21 days, they get this map and they follow this map. They journey to this place where there's an extraction point at this extraction point. Someone shows up and rescues them. Now, what has never happened in the history of naked and afraid has somebody got to the end of 21 days and said, you know what? I don't think I want to go to the extraction point. I don't think I want to be rescued. I want to live here indefinitely. It's so treacherous. It's so horrible. It's so horrific out here. I love the sleepless nights and getting eaten up by mosquitoes. And I, I love being in danger and at risk in this undomesticated environment. I love the heat. I love the storms. I love the, the danger. I love all this. I don't want to be rescued. As a matter of fact, the opposite happens. People can't wait to get to the end. Some people don't even make it to the end. They just throw in the towel and quit right away. But what people long for and what they're grateful for when it's all over is a more livable atmosphere. And that's what Samson, I'm sorry, Samuel is saying. He's saying, you've created this atmosphere. Now there's a climate that's come and that climate has attracted this storm. And I want you to hear my sermon, Samuel, Samuel says, because my sermon is in the thunder and in the thunder, what you're hearing is a warning that if you keep going in this direction, if you keep moving in this way, if you keep putting all this craziness into the environment of your life, all this rebellion, all this can't don't want anything to do with God. Don't want to serve God. Don't want to follow God. What you're doing is you're creating the storms in your life, but God's grace is faithful to thunder towards you and tell you, you do not have to go into that place. There is a better way for you. And so I wrote down three thoughts on thundering grace that Samuel gives the children of Israel. Number one, thundering grace speaks. We would know that the sound starts in heaven, thunder starts in the heavens, and it makes its way to earth. So the closer you are to lightning, the louder the thunder is. Well, Job 37 says God thunders marvelously with his voice. Exodus 19:16 says thunder was accompanied when God gave Moses the law on Mount Sinai. So Thunder is a regard to the voice of God. It speaks of the voice of God in our life. One person said that thunder is a slow poke and thinking about the voice of God. You know, many times the voice of God is slow. It takes time to find its way into our life. It doesn't come quickly. And many times we think, oh, God's okay. God don't mind. God don't care. God, God, God's not really thinking about my life in the way, but God the Bible says is that wisdom is slow to speak. So yes, God many times is slow when he speaks to us, but the Bible says, don't be deceived. God is not slack concerning his promise towards us. The thunder is speaking that judgment is close. The thunder is saying lightning is nearby to be forewarned is to be forearmed for you. And I Romans chapter six says, 
Should we allow the grace of God to give us a license to sin? And then the Bible says, God forbid. That's not what the grace of God is for us. Hebrews says we can insult the spirit, capital S, of grace. We can insult the spirit. That's the spirit of Christ of grace. The Bible says that we can be strong in the grace, which means guess what? We can be weak in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. The Bible says, do not fall short of the grace of God. I love the grace of God. I'm thankful for the grace of God, but I need to be aware I can insult the spirit of grace. Now that's what this, this is what that means. Now, a lot of people think, well, that means I got to live right. I've got to dot my I's. I've got to cross my T's. I can't make any mistakes. I can't, I can't do anything. Oh, I can't kick the dog. I can't cuss. I can't yell at my wife. I can't go over the speed limit. Cause if I do that's, and if you're a police officer, I'm sorry, but that that's, that's, I can't do that. I don't want to make any mistakes because, because if I do, if I sin, that's insulting the spirit of grace, but that's, it's written in the book of Hebrews. It's being written to people that try to replace grace with works. That's what it's for. So insulting the spirit of grace is me thinking my own efforts and my own works are what helped me escape the lightning bolt of judgment. That's what insult. I can do enough to escape judgment. That's insulting the spirit of grace. You can't do enough. You can't be righteous enough. You can't be holy enough. You can't do enough good works to ever escape judgment. So what do you and I do? Like that girl, the lightning struck. What did she do? She ran in the house. She got in a place where there was something in between her and the lightning strike. And that's what God provided for you and I through the spirit of grace. That's what the cross of Jesus is for. So you and I, we have to get inside And what happens is there's something in between us and the judgment of God. And that is the cross of Jesus Christ. Listen to me. What happens is Jesus, as he hung there on that horrible cross, he took on all our judgment. He took on all our sin. And there as he hung, he took on the lightning bolt of judgment. Why? So you and I could be protected from that lightning bolt and the thunder of God's grace should speak to you and I to all always do everything that we can to live up underneath the protection of the cross, to be thankful that God forgives us. He loves us. It's not a license to sin, but God, we desperately need to trust that Jesus is the place that we can run into and be safe from the sin and from the judgment of sin. Number two, the thundering grace teaches us. Number one, it speaks. Number two, it teaches. It teaches that the atmosphere of our life is our responsibility, that climates can change, that you can change the climate of your life by changing what you put in the atmosphere. What are you putting in the atmosphere of your life? Verse 22 introduces us to why I believe this is a story of grace. It says that God does not turn his back on us that God does not reject us when we reject him. We reject him. He doesn't reject us. We turn our back on him. He does not turn his back on us. And it says why? Because of his great name's sake. In other words, not because you deserve that grace, not because you've earned 
that mercy, not because in any way you and I have arrived at a place where God says, finally, they're at the place. I'll be good to them. Finally, they've done enough good. I'll be gracious to them. Finally, I can be kind to them. That's not how it works. God is good to us, not because of us. He's good to us because of his great namesake. It's who he is. It's his character. It's all he knows. It's all he is. And he is that in spite of the things that we do or do not do. You're almost there. You see what thundering grace says is no matter where you've been or what you've done, God is faithful to announce he's never giving up on you. He's never going to throw you away. What thundering grace says is you're my people in spite of those dumb decisions, in spite of all the crazy things you've done. You are my sons and my daughters. Even when you are at your worst, I know how to be at my best. When you're weak, the Bible says that is when God's grace is made strong in your life. It's a thundering thing. It's something that it's a sound that shakes you. It's a, it's a sound that grips you. It's a sound that reminds you, God, if it had not been for your thundering grace, where would I be? Who would I be? I would have been struck by lightning. I, I would have been destroyed. I would have been that human lightning rod. Come on. But because of the grace of God, I've escaped that. Mount Transfiguration, it was the audible voice of God that thundered from the clouds. And what did it say? This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Watch this. Listen to him. Why? Because Jesus was answering the questions. Does God really care? Do I really matter? As David said, who am I that he, the creator of the universe, would be mindful of me? And that thundering voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son. I am pleased with him. Listen to him. Why? Because what they did is they took grace and they took him and they hung him on a bloody cross. And then they shoved him in a borrowed tomb. And then thundering grace, you know what it did? It went to hell and back for you and I, and it broke open that tomb on the third day. To do what? To announce to you and I that it is clear God loves you. God cares for you. Grace thunders. You matter to him. And then finally, grace connects us. God's grace connects us. It speaks to us. It teaches us and it connects us. Samuel said, I will not sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. I'll come out of retirement, he said, to make sure that you make it. And we all need people like that. We all need Samuels. We all need to be Samuels. Where we say, I, won't, I will not sin against God by failing to pray for you. Praying that people will learn the atmosphere of their life can change praying that people will realize the things they put in the atmosphere of their life create climates. I need to speak peace to those storms, but maybe even more importantly, I need to speak to them that they would learn and be mentored by the thunder, that they would let the thunder teach them about God's grace. We need people that will hold our hands up 
when we get weary and tired so the battle can turn in our favor. I love how in Mark chapter three, Jesus called James and John the sons of thunder. Now, many people say it's because they desired to call down fire on Samaria, but Mark chapter three was when he first called them to follow him. So it was before that event ever happened. So it could have referred to their personalities. Of course, Jesus would have known that, but I think it was more spiritual in its significance. We would know if we follow the two apostles through their life, that James would be the very first to die a martyr's death of all the apostles in Galatians chapter one and two. We would know John lived, was the only apostle to live and die in old age. The apostle John, of course, wrote the gospel of John, but he also wrote first, second and third John, which were written towards the end of his life. If you just read first John alone, just a couple pages, you'll find the word love 40 times. The end of his life, John is referred to as the apostle of love. So what I believe when Jesus called James and John, and he said, you're the sons of thunder. I believe he was making an announcement that you two boys, you two men are going to thunder the grace of God to your generation. You're going to thunder that God loves his people and this earth and this world and humanity. You're going to thunder that God is merciful to us. You're going to thunder as the sons and the daughters of God. You're going to, you're going to thunder to a generation that we would never be who we are apart from the grace of God. What makes us special is not who we are. What makes us special is who he is and what he's making us into be. And we need to be people who look at people in their storm and say, we're not going to sin against God and not pray for you. We're going to pray that the thunder of God's grace speaks to you. We're going to pray that the thundering grace of God teach you. We're going to pray that the thundering grace of God connects you to the right kind of people, sons of thunder. Come on, daughters of thunder, that God would make us those kind of people that we come out of retirement if necessary. Some of y'all need to just go ahead and tear up your resignation letter because you've been tired and you've been weary and you can here today that God's not done with you. He still needs your voice to thunder to a generation that God loves you and God's merciful. Come on. We don't need to be human, human lightning rods. We don't need to be Roy Sullivan's. Come on. Walking around with our hair on fire, no shoes, no eyebrows, no toenails. Come on. We carrying around a bucket of water. Oh, when's God going to strike me? We, we don't need to be, we instead need to be people that receive God's grace and thunder God's grace to people who are in their storms right now. I love this last part and we're done. It says God sends thunder and he sends rain and he sends the rain. Watch this in wheat season, which in Palestine, it was a time of year. It never rained. There was no rain in that season. Never. It was unheard of. It was unknown, but the Bible says, that God's going to send thunder and rain. Rain speaks of the blessing of God. It speaks of the favor of God. It speaks of new life. It speaks of being renewed and restored. So I love the fact that God not only thunders his grace towards us, but God sends rain as well. He sends his blessing on our life to refresh us, to renew us, to restore us. 
And Samuel was mentoring a nation saying, Hey, I know you've rejected God. I know you put some things in the atmosphere of your life. I know you've created this climate and it's attracted these horrible storms, but listen, God's faithful to send the thunder and he's faithful to send the rain. And if you'll turn back to him, if you'll serve him with your whole heart, listen, what you'll experience is that he's for you. He's not going to reject you. He's not going to turn his back on you. And this is what Samuel said, but, but what he will do is he'll teach you. He will teach you how to live in a right way. What's, what's he saying? He'll teach you how you can put the right things in the atmosphere. And that's what we're going to do over the next few moments. You can put the right things into the atmosphere of your life. That's what worship is. That's what prayer is. That's what forgiveness is. That's what, that's what you, when you come into an atmosphere like this, you put faith into the atmosphere. You put your faith, you put God, I believe that, that you are for me. I believe that, that you have my back. I believe that even when I've fallen short, I can look to the cross and I can know that you're not going to send judgment my way. You already sent judgment to Christ. And because of that, I've escaped judgment, but I hear the thunder. I hear the thunder and because of that thunder, because of the cross was the thundering grace of God towards me. You can put me into a place where I can experience the rain and the blessing and the forgiveness and the renewal and the restoration. Come on of the great mercy of God. Would you stand up on your feet with your hands lifted? If you feel free to do so, no pressure. Come on. Can we put some of our worship? into the atmosphere of this place. Come on, an atmosphere sustained. An atmosphere sustained creates a climate. That's what we're doing. Put your faith out there. Come on, put thankfulness, gratefulness. Who would you be had the thundering grace of God not found you? Father, we're thankful, we're grateful for your mercy, for your love, for your grace. We worship you because we were undeserving. We did nothing to earn it, but you sent Jesus to pay the price so we could experience the reign of God, the blessing of God, and the favor of God. Come on, you need the reign. You need the blessing. Come on, we need the favor of God on our lives. Father, we need you to turn your face towards us. Shine on us in Jesus' name. all for this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, there are just a couple next steps we'd love to highlight. First, you can subscribe to this podcast to stay up to date with brand new episodes every single week. You can even share this with a friend by clicking that share button you see right there on your screen. We'd also love to hear from you. So if you have a comment, you can visit us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Seven Hills Church. Lastly, we want to say thank you to those who give generously to this ministry. You're helping us impact thousands. You can click on the link in the episode's description to give now or visit us at sevenhillschurch.tv 
backslash give. Thank you again for listening, and we'll see you next time.